Hey everyone, welcome back to the Move With Us podcast. I have a very special and exciting guest today. Welcome, Sherelle. Thanks so much for having me, Rach. I'm really pumped to be here and have a chat with you. Welcome to the The Move Move With Us podcast. Thought we could start this podcast a little, like have a little fun with it and sort of talk about, before we get into who you are, talk about sort of our first impressions of each other. Mm. So Sherelle and I, to give you a little background, we competed together. So I actually met her um, at the WBFF and um, I still remember, so, you know, you're lining up, everyone's about to go on stage, you're, you're nervous, right? Like most people are pretty like like shaking, quiet. Anyway, I hear this really like vibrant voice, like loud, confident. I'm like, oh my God, who is that? And I turn around, and it was definitely an Australian like accent. I turn around, Sherelle's talking to everyone and like making jokes. And I was just like, oh my God, how are you like this okay when we're literally I had competed at that stage a couple of times but still like the nerves before you go on so I was literally just listening to Sherelle's conversation so that I could like calm myself down anyway next minute we go on stage and (laughs) you know what I'm gonna say (laughs) so we're walking out on stage and um anyway I'm pretty sure I was right next to you or you were like Mm -hmm. one from me anyway they were doing call out so Sherelle and I were walking out together anyway From the corner of my eye, I literally see – so everyone's like obviously your worst nightmare is falling over. Have you guys seen the heels we wear? Like it is ridiculous. Um, Anyway, I remember from the corner of my eye just seeing Sherelle like fall. But by the time I could even look at Sherelle, she was back up. And all I did was like I looked at Sherelle and then I looked at Alison because she was staring at Sherelle. And Alison's like – like gave you this good nod and you were just like – and I was just like – you go girl like any other person would have literally sprinted off the stage crying Cheryl's just like boom it's like it was like part of her routine and so you made a massive first impression on me and I just remember thinking like that girl is seriously something I thought you were super super inspiring and cool and from then to see you go on and you know you're doing so much educating so many people around the world you educate me like I absolutely love watching your content and listening um, to your content so Yeah, I really wanted to get you um, on the podcast today just so we could share a little bit of Sherelle with the community. Thanks for that, Rach. It's definitely a memory I've tried to suppress, but it definitely comes up. Um, I think, you know, with competing as well, we it like the Australian team's such a small crowd like Australia is so isolated but then we get these opportunities to do things like that and we gravitate towards each other like I remember falling over on stage and having a few of the Australian yeah. girls run over to me and like help me up and that's why I was like a bouncy ball I was like yeah. down and up and I was like oh good yeah I know off. um so good but I think as well like with that event I still remember going up to you and being like oh, you know, there's there's Rachel, there's a few of the other girls. I'm going to go introduce myself. And I remember coming up and introducing myself. I'm not sure if it was that night or like at Rego or what it was, but it's always like, hi, I'm Sherelle. I, I think it Instagram. was Rego. Yeah. Rego, yeah. And um, I think the thing I love about you, Rachel, is you're exactly as you are on social media, as what you're like in real life, like very humble, very genuine, and just very authentic and doing things for the right reasons. And that's why I love, um, I guess, like, can 
connecting mm. and collaborating with people like yourself because we're all on this like collective mission or purpose to be able to educate women and like help people get through situations that took us a long time that we didn't have the knowledge or educational resources um, to be able to do so. Uh, so I'm I really agree. excited to be able to get into some of these topics today and be able to, you know, give your community and your listeners some of like our experience and our knowledge too. Definitely. And I think um, also like us coming together, you know, I do a lot with Hattie. You also do some stuff with Hattie. Danny, you work with a lot of people in this space. And I think it's really nice for girls to see that we're not each other's competition. Like Mm. you can learn so much from the people that you share the same space with. And, you know, the other day it was really funny. I did one of those anonymous, I can never say this word. Anonymous. Anonymous. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> question box. And someone actually wrote to me, this girl I follow, she's from, I think, Europe, actually. They're like, oh, do you think she's cool or is like she competition? And I'm mm. like, I actually follow her. She inspires me. I just think that like you get to a stage in your life and don't get me wrong. When I was really young and in high school, I had all of these thoughts. You know, I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't jealous and all of those things and and genuinely sometimes did think that we were each other's competition. But I think I got to, I think it was like my early twenties. And I just Mm -hmm. thought to myself, there's so much room for everyone and us coming together. I think it's really nice to show other females that we are each other's, you know, empowerment and that we can learn so much from each other. And I guess, that's a big part for me of working with people like yourself, um, Hattie, et cetera, because I think it's just so nice that, you know, we can support each other and, and share um, our knowledge on this. And as you mentioned, help people take those shortcuts because we took some really long, hard roads with, you know, some of the things we've had to learn. And yeah, I'm really excited to have you. So enough of me talking. Tell us a little bit about you. Who is Sherelle? What do you do? Um, let us know. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that, Rach. I think it's actually important to mention because I think a lot of people have this like ego and tall poppy syndrome and like this fear. It's a very scarcity based mindset, but great things can happen when women come together and we actually work together because yeah, we're all on that same collective uh, mission. And I think it's, it's such a waste of potential uh, for people when they feel like they've got to, you know, do it all on their own. Um, but I guess for those who don't know me, like obviously my name's Sherelle Grant. Um, and obviously I'm Australian if you can't tell from my accent, but I grew up in a small country town. <laughs> Town in Victoria and um, like I, I had a really good upbringing, good life. I moved away uh, when I was 17 and I went to uni. I was a year younger. Um, I went to uni and I studied nursing and like Like I won't lie, when I was uh, in my early uni years, I was very much party animal, especially in my late teen years. I I loved, you know, a few drinks and going out. And I really did live like my best life at uni. Yeah, loved it. Would not change a thing. Um, Live my best life at uni. But throughout, I guess, my undergraduate, I started to get into fitness, Um, obviously working in healthcare and studying health and the, the, the human body and everything. I just started to become more curious about my own health and fitness. So I I started to look after, um, I like go to the gym, get into running, like just get curious about that aspect. And that's how I guess I naturally just slowly and surely started to, you know, um, look at training properly, look at nourishing my body. And don't get me wrong, this is after probably years of like starving myself and doing all the things that we already speak about. But I slowly transitioned into, I guess, lifting and resistance training and wanting to build my body up rather than, you know, constantly break it down or diet down. So I developed this 
this passion for fitness, which did naturally lead me into competing eventually, um, which is obviously where we connected. But then alongside this, I actually went back and studied midwifery um, because I became so passionate about women's health working uh, in gynae and different areas of nursing. So it was throughout um, my midwifery career that I started to become more curious about menstrual health, about pregnancy, about postnatal, about reproductive diseases, about contraception about all these things that honestly I was shocked that we don't get taught about in school that I had to become a qualified professional to learn some of these basics of you know women's health and physiology so I um I'd landed my dream job at like one of the women um one of the biggest women's hospitals in Australia and this is when I I guess connected and started working with like women across a whole lifespan and I think like alongside that, I had this fitness thing going on in the background. So I had like my health, uh, my healthcare journey and then also my fitness journey going alongside it. And I just saw this massive divide. Like, as you know, health and fitness is used as this word together. And from my like professional and personal experience, like I was, I was seeing it as like polar opposites. Um, so I've really, I guess, stood away now from the nursing and midwifery side and, um, founded something called the women's health movement where I guess my mission is to be able to combine health and fitness together and be able to educate women not only on their fitness journey but you know bring the health side into it and give them the knowledge and the I guess the backbone to be able to understand more about their bodies and I guess that's um that's led me to like where I am today definitely and guys for anyone who isn't following Sherelle on Instagram highly recommend her content is all about moving away from you know the constantly being in a deficit and the the common myths that so many of us unfortunately still think we need to do in order to see results. And I guess the reason I got Sherelle on today was because, as you know, she's got such a background in the topic I want to talk about, and it is about contraception and pretty much the menstrual cycle. And for me, um, a brief little background on my story is about two years ago, I had decided to come off contraception. I wasn't in a relationship. I wasn't having sex. And, you know, at that stage, I thought like, if you're having sex, you need to be on contraception. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's a must, right? Like in school, don't wear a condom, you're pregnant. <laughs> um, and pretty much, so I came off and it was a really interesting journey for me because I had been on the pill for my entire life and then the marina for five years. Um, I think I also had the bar in for a couple of years Mm -hmm. but had a bad experience with it. Anyway, the marina was quite a good experience. But when I say that, I didn't get a period and I felt absolutely zero symptoms. So for mm. me, I was cruising through life, having like no idea. I just thought I was on top of the world, um, probably not giving my body the rest it needed at the right times, probably not giving it the calories it needed at the right times um, because I just had no idea what my cycle actually was or looked like. So when I first came off, I in a month got my period and then continued to get my period monthly. So I was pretty lucky like that. But it was the symptoms that were completely new to me. I had all these emotions and I had, um, you know, training fatigue and I realized I couldn't train the same for throughout the whole month. And there was just so many, you know, things that I began to learn. So I started to track my cycle using an app flow. There's lots out there, whatever suits. Um, but just getting an idea as to like, oh, wow, like, you know, seven to 10 days out, I actually need to start eating a little bit more, you know, in those in that time, my training intensity can't really be the same, et cetera. And I was finding all these little, I, I don't know, like findings, I guess, that really helped me 
understand my body more because before that I would have been like what's wrong with me why am I tired why can't I lift that amount of weight like I was constantly sort of punishing myself because I had no idea what was going on um anyway so this has been such a great journey for me but I wanted Sherelle to come on and just talk a little bit more about you know what what does contraception do for our bodies you know what do you do if you're not on contraception and just a little bit around your thoughts around um, females training and the menstrual cycle yeah, really good share, Rach. And thanks for um, thanks for naming all of that because I think a lot of like we put so much trust in obviously the healthcare system and you know the knowledge of um, authorities in that space, and we sort of just do what we feel like we should be doing and what we're told, and that's so fine um, from from a public health perspective. But then when it comes to a personalized health and individuals' health and fitness and other aspects that we deem as really important for us, I think it's important to get curious about these topics and ask those. Tricks tricky questions and not just settle for blanket answers. Um, before we get into it, I did just want to throw a little disclaimer out there. Like obviously what Rachel and I are going to be speaking about is a lot of personal experience as well, because which we'll chat about, like there just really is not enough research around these topics because um, quote unquote, women's physiology is complex. So they tend to deviate from using us as sample sizes. So even though we can learn a lot about the systems and like correlate um, a lot of conclusions, a lot of this is based off personal experience experience as well and we're all so different we're all so Mm. unique um and the even contraceptions like they're going to function a little bit differently for all of us some some of us might have good experiences with some and others might have terrible experiences so just wanted to throw that in there but I might share my experience um, as well, Rach, because it is very similar. When I got into uh, midwifery and started working, I was working in an IVF clinic at the start um, in the private healthcare system. And the first thing that sort of tripped me up is very much like you, you almost brush shoulders with a man and you think you're going to fall pregnant. That's what we were told. So I was on contraception from the age of like, you know, maybe 16 um, all the way through until I was 26, like 10 years, you know, a decade. Um, And it wasn't really until I was working in, an IVF clinic that I started to think, wow, it's actually quite difficult to get pregnant. <laughs> like I thought that I would just do it any time of the month and whoops, whoops, yep. like, you know, you have to deal yep. with that. Um, but yeah, I was just seeing couples like trying and it was sort of a new concept to me, which is almost like embarrassing to admit now because mm-hmm. it, it seems so obvious, but getting pregnant is not as simple as it seems or as easy as it seems. And I think we hear the horror stories all the time, like that friend that forgot the pill to take it on a Saturday yeah. or, you know, took a, or you know had a big night on the drinks and vomited it up and got pregnant or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. We hear those stories, but we don't hear of the couples trying like for IVF or trying to get pregnant for 12 months and, you know, investing a home loan to try and, you know, conceive. And that initial um, interaction and experience for me was enough to go, well, I haven't had my period since I went on the Implanon, which was the contraception that I had. I haven't had my period in that long. And I actually don't even know if anything's awake down there. Cause like you, I didn't have any symptoms. I didn't even like nothing, nothing. So that was enough for me to be like, look, I don't want to get pregnant now, of course, but I don't want to wait until I'm 30 or 31 to remove this and then realize there's issues or realize I don't have a natural cycle because I couldn't even remember if my cycle was natural when I had it at the age of 16 because I hadn't been menstruating for long enough to even establish a proper cycle. So I think it's really important to open up that dialogue around contraception. And I might just start by um, explaining a little bit about in general, if you like, maybe what contraception does to us. Yeah. So when we, there's lots of different types, right? So we've got like the Implanon, which is the rod that you were talking about. 
we have the pill, we have the marina. So we can have systemic contraception, which is something that we take in the body, or we can have localized, which are going to be things like the marina inserted on the cervix. And basically what these um, contraception methods do is they in like they inject synthetic hormones into the body um, that almost like trick our body so that we can't get pregnant. They almost baseline our natural hormones. So we don't have uh, the fluctuations that we would get on a natural um, menstruating cycle. We don't have estrogen and progesterone going up and down. And a lot of people will say, oh, the, the pill is estrogen and progesterone. It's the hormone, but it's not really the hormone that our body recognizes. It's synthetic hormone. Um, so our body reacts and responds to that quite differently as it would a normal hormone. So this is why for some of us, we may experience like more bleeding. For example, it might augment, augment our progesterone levels in a different way. Whereas for others like myself, I didn't have a period on the, um, the implanon. So this is why you can never predict how you're really going to respond on a form of contraception because it depends on your natural physiology. Uh, of course, contraception, I want to say as well, it's not wrong and it's not bad. Um, it's, it's absolutely important for some people. I think it gives a lot of women choice. Um, I know there's reproductive diseases where it's a, it's a great form of, um, symptom relief. And I think it's important that like, we definitely aren't demonizing any of these things. Like there, it's incredible that we have options as women, but I am just so big on, um, being able to advocate and empower others to make informed choices, like informed consent, because for me, and, um, you might, you might fall in the same boat Rachel but I didn't understand what I was actually doing or taking or like shutting off or like definitely what what the consequences or the long-term effects are and to be honest they don't really know either so I think it's important to be able to go Mm. look here's the pros here's the cons please you make the choice but then also don't feel like you're going to brush shoulders with the next man and get pregnant like there are other methods of (laughs) contraception Do you know what's interesting is I was 15 when I first went on the pill and I didn't actually go on it for sex. I went on it because I had really heavy, um, really heavy, painful periods. Mm -hmm. But to me, I'm like, now I look back on that. I'm like, instead of figuring out like what was causing that and potentially like, you know, if I was developing something like endo or et cetera, pretty much it's just like gone and masked it for 10 years. Um, So that's sort of like, again, you're not really given information to make the choice. It's well, for me and my experience, it was sort of like, yep, this is what's best recommended. And even my mum at the time was like, oh, okay, like this is what we need to do. You just didn't really question things back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that like having these conversations, it actually just, it's not that it's right or wrong, but it allows you to just sort of question things and understand what you're doing a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, of course, we're not going to question um, people that, you know, have the authority and the education, like we respect these people. And so we should. Um, But I think that now these conversations are starting to come out, like women are becoming more curious and more, um, I guess, what's the word like? more empowered to feel like they've got that choice because I even remember going to get the implant out and I was a nurse at the time and I got talked out of it um the first time they're like oh are you trying to get pregnant I was like no same so I think um even as someone that was working in healthcare and is great at advocating for themselves I left and it wasn't until hindsight that I was like what am I doing like I actually went that's my choice Mm -hmm. so I think um these sorts of conversations and empowering others so that they can make an autonomous informed choice um is really what these conversations need to be doing. Mm, I definitely agree. Um, and I definitely feel like there's a massive shift in the health and wellness space in that, 
you know, these conversations are now the ones that people are really mm-hmm. interested in. Whereas before it was always like, how do I lose fat or how do I do this and how do yeah. I do that? And don't get me wrong, they're still popular conversations, but I think it's really nice as females that we're now, you know, going down these um, avenues and sort of understanding our bodies a, a lot better. And I must say, I've never felt more in tune with my yeah. body um, since coming off, you know, contraception. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's really good these days to be able to hear these conversations coming out because like the fitness industry's changed so much since we both entered it, right? Like at the start, it was very much aesthetics driven. It was very much about how you looked and, you know, your body fat level and even competing like quite trendy, maybe five years ago. Um, Times are shifting and things are changing. And I think wellness is really coming the forefront of fitness now. And people are recognizing not only women's health and menstrual health, but also mental health and mindset and developing these other areas of fitness that also contribute to us like being our highest self and I think it's awesome yeah I'm, I'm absolutely loving the shift um so I thought we could go a little bit into training around your cycle and what you can expect depending on the phase that we're in Mm, Yeah. Uh, Great question. This is definitely something that comes through a lot. And um, a while ago, when I first started talking about this stuff, maybe a couple of years ago on my socials, I used to get this question quite a lot. So I actually made like an infographic um, and it went nuts. Like it got so many shares and saves and recreations. And it was pretty much just like, like what flow does, you know how it does the circle. Um, I sort of made that into like what you would do around your training. And I think the main thing that we break up our training and full disclaimer, at the start like training around your cycle really should be reserved mostly for women that are menstruating normally because if you're not ovulating and if you're not bleeding you probably won't experience the symptoms that a lot of other women will um in a negative way and both Rach and I were saying that when we were on contraception we didn't feel much going on like I was like there's no flux it's just consistent and that makes sense when you look at the physiology because we're physiologically functioning like a male like our hormones aren't changing um or fluctuating at all. So if you are having a natural normal cycle, you don't have um, any reproductive diseases that flare things up in a really um, exaggerated way, what you can mostly expect is in that first phase, so the follicular phase, which is day one, usually to ovulation around day 14, um, that is like, I like to call it follicular gains. Like it's when you're going to have the most strength and the most power and be able to really push through your training. So you'll usually find from, you know, and everyone's a little bit different when they're actually going through the bleeding phase as well. I personally find from like day two, like day one, I'm like, don't touch me. I'll put a wheat bag on my stomach and I'll lay in bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but from about day two, even though I've still got my cycle, I notice like energy's coming back, mood's coming back, um, appetite's there. I feel ready to go. And usually from then all the way up until ovulation, my strength, my recoverability, my energy levels, my mood, all those things will start to increase until maybe like, I don't know, three days before ovulation. And for those who don't know, like ovulation is, uh, it can also be called your fertile window. So this is the chance that you can get pregnant if you have sex, um, unprotected sex during that time. And I think if you, if you think about it from an evolutionary basis, like 
approaching ovulation when you're fertile, your body wants you to have energy. It wants you to glow. It wants you to be able to train with power and it wants you to be able to do that. And I really noticed that like the sort of the days leading up to ovulation that I'm like hitting PBs in the gym. I can really push harder. Maybe I can get that cardio session in or when you're taking all your selfies, when you're taking all your selfies and it's a really good point, Rach, because like um, fluid retention and everything as well, like that's on the lower side. So I think that first phase of your cycle, I think that's when you could honestly look at your training and go, can I add that bit more weight to the bar? Like, can I push a little bit harder? I agree completely. And then it's the, it's for me, it's funny, like mine's like anywhere from, you know, seven to eight to nine days out is when Mm. I start to really like, yeah, you know, each month can be very different. Like sometimes it can be like that eight, seven to eight days. And then sometimes it's like the the two to three days out, but I'm literally like the day of my period, I'm always like, Oh, I'm getting my period. And then literally like I'll get my period. Like it's that I'm that in tune. Even Toby's like, geez, like, and I was like, I knew it was coming. Like (laughs) I just am so, for me, it's just like clockwork each month. I just know exactly like if I'm feeling a certain way and I haven't checked like how many days I'm like, Oh, I bet you I'm this. And I check, I'm like, it's literally like our bodies are so incredible in that mm. they really are talking to us. I know that sounds really strange, but it's so important that you understand that, you know, your friend's, you know, journey to a certain degree might be completely different to yours. Some people don't really feel that many symptoms coming mm. into their period. Some pe- people feel really, really extreme symptoms. Um, but definitely for me, like as you're saying, I'm feeling exactly the same. So that seven days, what are we doing then before our period? What are you? Rec- what's your recommendations? Mm. Yeah, so it's a really good point because I think usually once we've passed ovulation, that's when we enter that luteal phase and that's the second sort of main subphase of our cycle. Um, and I'm very much the same as you, like almost like seven to eight days before my period, I'll go through that sort of like PMS, like premenstrual symptom um, transition uh, where – you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm practicing more self-compassion with myself first and foremost. Like I'm not expecting that I'm going to be crushing it in the gym. I'm not expecting that I'm going to feel energized and motivated. I'm probably going to be expecting that cravings are going to be elevated a little bit, that I'll be holding on to fluid. So I think the, the first piece is like power, knowledge is power because we can practice self-compassion when we have it. It no longer becomes a thing of like, oh, well, I'm lazy or I'm unmotivated or I should just do it. Um, and we just try to be harder on ourselves. doesn't work. We can go, oh, okay, hormonally I'm here. Maybe I can do this. I can structure that. I think when it comes to as well, like when we look at why we have these fluxes, um, besides the hormones, what these hormones actually influence is going to be our core body temperature, um, around these times. So our temperature is going to go up in that second phase of the cycle. Um, and that has a, a big effect on our recoverability. So we know that temperature is really important for making sure that our body stays in homeostasis, but even the tiniest tiniest increase in our temperature can throw us off on an appetite perspective. So this is why like our, our metabolism might go up a little bit when we're going through ovulation in that luteal phase. So we might be a bit more hungry. We might feel like more carbs, more snacks, more fats, more salt. Um, we'll gravitate towards those foods. Mm. So again, having that piece too, like, you know, like I think it's a little bit 
sometimes I think about it. I'm like, should we be increasing calories in that last, last phase? Like I catch myself sort of mm. questioning the way we look at nutrition and training because of it. You know, when we look at a four week or five week mesocycle, mm. it's like said who, like, why should we progressively overload mm. every week? Why is it in a linear fashion? And I think it's just really important mm. to question the variables uh, of why we do things in a certain way so that we can adopt things like auto-regulation. And this is something that I definitely do for myself and I teach all of my girls is, you know, we don't necessarily have to be just always increasing intensity across a calendar month. Like why should we? We have these massive hormonal changes that literally change our physiology, our thoughts, our emotions, our behaviors. Um, so we can have this self-compassion for ourselves and flick our focus into other areas. So I like to encourage people rather than thinking like, how hard can I push? I like to think, how hard can you recover? right? That's what we should actually be looking at. Do you need a little bit more energy? Do you need to like swap out some of your movements? Do you need to deload? And that's something I usually encourage. Like if you're someone that does experience a lot Mm. of symptoms, maybe this is your deload week. It's not forever. Like, you know, what's going to come, you know, you're going to go back into that follicular phase where, Mm. you know, we're going to have this natural cycle. Pulling back for one week out of a month is probably going to do you more better than good, better than bad. Uh Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I feel like for me, as you said, like the best thing is being so kind to yourself in that in that time frame. So for Mm. me, I used to I would have been like, what's wrong with me? Like you need to like and just punish yourself for not achieving what you think you need to achieve. Because as as you just said, we all think that we need to constantly be progressing. Whereas now I'm like, oh, it's seven and eight days out. Okay, maybe I add 100 calories if I need it one day. I'm going to take an extra hour of sleep. I'm going to, you know, do a walk instead of one of my weighted sessions this week. And I found that, guess what? My body hasn't changed doing that. As in, in a positive way, I still am achieving my goals. I'm still, you know, making the most of that peak time um, throughout the month. And it's actually allowed me to just trust myself Mm -hmm. and my process so much more because I have an understanding. And I always say we fear what we don't understand because when we have no education around something, you're sort of choosing to trust something that you don't really know if it's going to work. It's like when you first compete, right? And everyone's like, trust the process. And you're like, (laughs) I'm trusting this random person with, you know, (laughs) I don't feel like I'm where I need to be. But once you trust a process, once you kind of, you know, that next time you learn and then you trust it a little bit more and then again and again. And um, yeah, I've just found personally, like, I just feel so in control. That's the Mm. word I want to use. I feel so in control of my training, nutrition and mindset. Um, And especially around this time, I've just found instead of like trying to starve myself and be like, you ate so much yesterday, today you're going to eat. It's like, no, no, you're going to balance your calories out and allow yourself more food. And I guess then like this takes me on to my next question. Um, What would be your best advice for someone to start tracking around their cycle and um, if if they've never done it before and they're like, you know what, I've come off the pill, like where do we, where where should they start? Yeah, I I actually get this question quite a lot uh, around the, I I want to come off the pill. What do I need to do in advance? This is something I get quite a lot. And my own personal, like, uh, I guess, answer on this is don't try and like, like, 
don't try and forecast problems that you might need to work against or you might need to solve. So do what you need to do. And if problems arise, that's when you should be like looking at the why behind it, looking at lifestyle a lot of the times, um, seeking out help and guidance in those areas and then adjusting accordingly. So I think like if you are coming off contraception or if you have and you, you know, you're experiencing any signs and symptoms, um, that you want to deal with, the first thing is like we have to give our body time to adjust. And they say like, you know, six to 12 months to return to a normal cycle and, you know, to allow your body to really adapt and adjust. So I think that that's really important. And as a society, we hate being patient, um, especially in the fitness world, right? Like we want things now. We want them in eight weeks. We want them really fast. And that's just not the way our body works. So you've got to give yourself um, time and, you know, a natural cycle um, of, of an egg is usually 90 days as well. It's not just the one month. So the bleed you have now is from the egg that you had three months ago. So it's really important to understand that you've got to give your body time to be able to adjust. But then something I would encourage people that wanted to get into tracking to do is don't just track your bleed. And this is what I've been guilty of in the past as well as I think people get on the app once a month and go, oh, day one. And then that's all they interact with when we really need to be seeing like, for example, ovulation is the main event. Um, the bleed is just a side effect of it. So we need to be making sure that we're tracking things like ovulation or if you're noticing cramps, appetite, like fluid retention, um, insomnia, right? Like issues with sleep. And the reason why I do, and I know everyone's got different apps that they like, but like I really do like flow because it has um, lots of different options to be able to pick from symptoms as well, like heaps. And sometimes we don't know what we're feeling until we can see it, like whether it's mood or whether it's like um, energy levels. We're like, actually, I do feel a little bit flat today. Yeah. Insomnia is a really big one that comes up. That was a new one for me. So a couple of periods ago, I randomly um, was like up at night and I'm like, oh, this like pre-period um and I was like oh this is super random like what's wrong like there's nothing on my mind anyway I went into the flow app and I've actually learned so much from it and I saw insomnia as one of the symptoms and I was like wow I've never actually considered that that's something that I'm experiencing um and then I guess you can kind of supplement around that right you might take some melatonin or you know whatever's going to work for you and I guess um again it's just about being prepared and understanding you know these things are normal so I think that's another thing normalizing periods normalizing you know symptoms because I think so many of us feel like we're nearly like alone right Mm. um and I think that yeah like talking about it is is allowing for us to have other people feel uh, have other females feel comfortable in discussing and I'm so open with my partner about it and I'm sure you are too with Luke but it's like our partners should understand our cycles yeah like when I have a family I want them to understand you know I remember growing up my dad would be oh no no I'd like ask him to get a tampon and it was like (laughs) the the biggest thing ever right (laughs) like dad's like oh I'm not picking that up from the shops I'm like oh golly anyway but I'm like it's a different day right it's a different world we live in and I think that men should be um, educated around us having periods because it's such an important part of the female body Um, and another question I actually had for you I've so I could ask you questions all day but um, I know that you're competing so talk us a little bit about where you are with that but also do you experience cycle changes this is something I got asked a lot when I competed Mm -hmm. um, or sort of how do you navigate that experience right Yeah, really good. It's something that I guess I have this internal battle with because I'm such an advocate for women's health. But then I just hate seeing on the internet, like all of these girls that, you know, are having amenorrhea for like 
long years and just like extensive durations and just wearing it and being like, yeah, it's part of the process. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like, I, d- I don't really think it should be. And um, I'm really open and honest in saying like competing is not for everyone. And to be honest, like if my body was breaking down as a consequence of it, I don't, I would not do it um, because health is my number one value uh, mm-hmm. and it's my number one priority. Aesthetics um, is like very low on the food chain, uh, even though I, I love competing and I love the drive and, and you know, the, I guess the, the discipline it's taught me and the, the non-tangible things that I actually get from it. Um, but when it comes to women's health, like I think it's really important, like what you said, to track, um, to be curious mm-hmm. to, you know, what's, what's measured is managed or what's managed is measured. Um, so we can do that with our cycles when we're going through these things. But I even had a question in my Q and A box this morning about, um, hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is when we lose our cycle from putting our body under chronic amounts of stress. Now, stress can obviously be put on our body from a calorie deficit. Um, that's stressful for our body because it's telling us that we're starving and that we should our reproduction should be the lowest thing. Like we can't keep something alive. So that's a stressor. But then there's also other stresses. Like it could be psychological, um, mental stress. It could be work stress. It could be chemical stress. Like there's lots of other ways that our bodies experience stress. So I think that's why tracking, um, not only just like obviously energy intake and other variables of um, dieting and comp prep and fitness, like mm-hmm. overtraining is a really big one in the fitness industry. Um, tracking those things to make sure that you're, you know, you're not escalating or going um, too much or increasing too much. But then also with the menstrual health side of things, I think making sure that you are maintaining that cycle should be a priority because we get so many health benefits from ovulation itself. Like every time we go through ovulation and we only have a certain amount of like cycles that we ovulate through in a lifetime, it helps prevent us from things like osteoporosis. It helps prevent us from things like Alzheimer's, like ovulation is such a superpower that we get besides men. And I'm, I don't personally experience amenorrhea from dieting. Like my body is quite resilient to low calories and not everyone is. And I think it's really important to name that competing isn't for everyone. Like if you're someone that you do lose your cycle, you lose your hair, like you hear of all these horrible things Mm -hmm. that so many women go through and they just think it's part of the process. And for what? Yeah, for what? So what's funny is I ne- I've never lost a period competing, right? Mm. Obviously, I competed in bikini. Um, Sherelle was bikini, now going into wellness. Um, and I feel like even those two categories are a little um, less intense in that we're not expected to do as like, you know, bigger extremes. But I still remember because people are like, did you ever cheat your diet or this or that? I There is something about me. I'll never be able to tell you what but I trust myself and my body so much that I still remember and I tell this story often because people um, often make comments about Hattie Hattie's physique right and I'm like until you until you have lived and trained with Hattie you will never appreciate the work that girl puts into Mm. her physique like she has deserved every inch of you know the way she looks and anyway one day it was before one of our competitions I went and stayed with her for a week and I was like okay cool yep let's you know let's do Hattie's style of training and and um eating anyway it was so intense Sherelle like I can't even to the point where she she had to go out somewhere and I literally snuck out and got a burger I was like (laughs) starving like I was like because obviously my calories were a bit lower because I was like you know we're in different stages I was like I can't do it so Mm. for me 
I'm the same as you. Like as much as I loved competing, I was never willing to push myself past that point of feeling like I wasn't listening to my body's cues. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I was hungry and I, you know, pushed through that discipline. But if I ever felt like, no, my body is like seriously like asking for something, I just had no problem going and doing it. And, you know, maybe I wasn't as lean or maybe I wasn't this and that. But for me, I was just like health was always such an important factor to me. And and like yourself, if we're going to teach and preach all of this to females, you know, how are we then going and doing the opposite when we're competing and like, you know, taking ourselves to those extremes so it comes down to our values and I guess where where that sits for you and I can definitely relate in that aspect Mm, yeah I completely agree and I think it's always why like I've never wanted to push into fitness Um, not because I can't but because it sort of does go against a lot of like the morals and values and ethics that I would probably have to do to be able to get to that and like what you said Rach for what I think it's important to know like I'm here like my Mm. I'm not on like as much as I love competing I sometimes don't really think I'm a bodybuilder (laughs) like I'm like oh not really like I do it Um, and I love the process and I love all the things but it's it's not something that I was born to do and some people are just born with that true hard athlete mentality and that's amazing but I've had to yeah Yeah. amazing right amazing so inspiring Mm. but I like even for myself when I when I try to um, have some tough conversations with maybe clients or other women that want to start competing and I know that their body's not in the right space and Hattie would completely Mm. understand what I'm talking about because when you first start competing like we know the realities of competing and you know like what it actually takes but then also you know it's a business and the the politics behind it and those things as well like we understand all of that and when you first start you're very motivated you're very driven and I think I like to be remind people it's like you're not ready and you need like another 12 months uh, and you may not get a call out so it's really important to understand that you're not going to let go of all of your all of your health all of your benchmarks to get to that Um, and I also sound like I'm the founder of the women's health movement like I'm not going to starve people to amenorrhea to get them onto stage Um, I think it's really important to try and find this hybrid. And like I said, I actually see we, even with the wellness category, like I see wellness, um, as a whole and people being inspired by people's mental resilience, et cetera, coming through in the fitness industry. And I think it's a really nice transition rather than just idolizing the lean all the time. And, um, Sherelle, do you do competition prep? I do um, for the right person. Um, so I like to have a client for, you know, a good period of time to build them up metabolically, physically, yep. emotionally um, through a lot of different areas. And then we can have that conversation and sort of be like, are you ready to do this? Because uh, I think yep. that's a piece that's really missed in comp prep. It is very like masculine, mm-hmm. very much like eat less, move more. And that's just not the way I like to approach things. Yeah, it's just I get asked a lot about do I do comp prep and I don't. So that's a great um, for anyone listening who has been interested in that. Sherelle does offer that, obviously, under certain circumstances. Um, So before we finish today, Sherelle, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I want you to give us three values that you live by um, when it comes to health, fitness, wellness Mm. and that you sort of preach to your girls. What's your three things? 
The first thing that come up to me, um, just came up for me was sleep is such a core pillar of um, everything that I practice and preach. And it did come off, I guess, years and years and years of shift work and night duty. I um, like developed insomnia for like quite a long period of time. I became really curious about sleep. I bought an aura ring before they were trendy. I was doing all of the sleep hygiene stuff before it was sexy. And the amount of like, I guess, return investment that I got from just focusing on those simple things, not only in my mental health and well-being but also my productivity um my physical health um like my fitness my training like so many other areas i think people forget that sleep is our superpower because everyone's looking for the next supplement or the next quick fix or whatever it might be and they're not actually following a proper nighttime routine or respecting sleep hygiene so that would be my uh, my first one is i track my sleep like i track my cycle like i track my food because it's up there with those other core elements um the next thing so funny i was just about to invest in an aura ring because yeah, Toby got one and he's always like, I'm like, how was your sleep? Like, what was it? I'm like, so, and I'm like, oh, I, I want one now. So you've just sold me on the aura oh, ring. Okay. Oh, seriously, I need a discount for the code for those. I've sold so many of them. But they are fantastic. <laughs> I think, um, like I said, what's measured is managed. And I think our sleep is just like so important because not like I said not only for physical health but mental health so important because there's really not like a mental health um, disease or, or concern that doesn't come with some sort of sleep compromise as well so it's no surprise they're so tightly linked so yeah I've, I've gotten massive return from just focusing on sleep love that uh, number two I think the next thing that sort of comes up for me is um, which is something I'm also very big about is doing some of the inner work and recognizing that it's not just about how you look and how much you lift and how strong you are. Like I think when we got into the fitness industry, Rach, it was very much aesthetics driven. Um, and I even absolutely love the way your brand is moving as well. Like with the move with us and transitioning, um, you know, your evolve challenge and bringing on Pilates and just looking at like movement rather than exercise and, you know, looking at training yeah. rather than working out and, you know, looking at fueling your body rather than dieting like I think this sort of um, language shift and mindset shift um, that we can all practice honestly like yes it's incredible that brands like yourself and influencers and and you know competitors and all these people that we look up to are reflecting that message down because you know we set the tone and we role model the behavior that we want to see in the women that we lead which is so important but then I think we need to take an individualized um, like accountability check on ourselves Mm -hmm. for like how we're looking at our fitness and address the the mindset that we're actually approaching it yeah love yep. that and my third one oh, you're rubbing me dry Rach my third one actually I do have a third one um the people that you surround yourself with honestly it is so important to find communities um and network with people that are doing the behaviors that you want to lean into and I think this is why community building and um, connections in your networks is so important obviously we see that so much in the fitness space but I've even been loving personally doing that um, myself in business now it's a space that I didn't really have many um, connections or friends in because I was very much like healthcare and then uh, training my own personal side. But now moving into the business side of things, I've had to go out of my way to reach out and connect and make new friends in that space. And no one teaches you how to make friends as a 28 year old. They're like, oh, you know, there's no recess and lunch. So I think um, having to go out and network and meet new people, um, you just rise to the people that you surround yourself with. So you can obviously 
obviously do this in so many different areas. Like you can do it with your fitness. Um, and a lot of us have our communities, right, where we we nurture and we foster and we love and we get energized from being involved with them and contributing to a collective purpose. But then also in your own professional and your other personal life, like don't be scared to reach out and find these pockets because they truly do exist. I couldn't agree more. And I actually was asked that in a question box the other day. Someone was like, you know, I really want to get started, but how do I sort of set myself up for success when no one around me is really interested in the same Mm. things? And I'm like, you get to a stage in your life where you kind of have to make a decision that, you know, I think we think that, oh, the friends we have when we're like 12 or the friends we have forever. And it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, they stay friends, but as your interests change and as you grow, it's, it's likely that you're going to start to shift and interact and have, you know, um, new people around you. And that really will shape, um, the person you become. So I, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, I think it's really important because um yeah, in a lot of a lot of different areas like we have to do that. Like good people don't just walk into our lives a lot of the time. We actually have to proactively go out and seek them. So good things happen to those people who are willing to have those uncomfortable awkward conversations. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Sherelle. I honestly already know I want to get you on again because I would love for you to do a a talk on shift working. So when you said that, I was like, I get so many questions on that. So um, absolutely love hearing from you. As I said, guys, where can we find Sherelle on social media? Yeah, I'd be honored, honestly. It is um, a big gap of like the shift work and it's something that I definitely managed for years and years and years um, and a lot of people can victimize themselves to that. Similar with cycles, right? We don't know how to manage certain things. So mm. we'd love that. Um, and I guess for everyone listening, you can find me uh, just under my name on all social platforms, just Sherelle Grant um, on Instagram and everything else. And then uh, we also have the Women's Health Movement for anyone interested in coaching. And I also have a podcast called Level Up with Sherelle and Danny uh, if you're interested in some more listens. There you go, guys. Thank you so much, Sherelle, and I cannot wait to have you back on again soon. Thanks for having me. 